This is Ringler Radio, where you get all the latest news and information about structured settlements from experts across the U.S. Ringler Associates, celebrating 35 years of successfully helping injured people and their families. Ringler Radio is made possible in part by the life markets that issue structured settlement annuities, including Allstate, American General, Liberty Life, MetLife, New York Life, John Hancock, and Prudential. Now join Ringler Radio host Larry Cohen. Welcome to Ringler Radio, everyone. I'm Larry Cohen, head of Ringler Associates Northeast Operations, and certainly glad you could join us today. Well, our topic today is the devastating oil spill in the Gulf of Mexico. Millions of gallons have spewed into the Gulf since an oil rig owned by Deepwater Horizon and leased to British Petroleum exploded and sank off the Louisiana coast on April 20th, killing 11 crew members, decimating the environment, and causing economic chaos in the region. And there are so many people affected and so much to discuss, so let's get right to it. Our special guest today is nationally recognized attorney Daniel Becknell. Danny, as he's more widely known, specializes in mass tort and class action cases. He served as lead counsel in several national high-profile matters, such as Fenfen, Viox, and currently in the Chinese toxic drywall matter. And of course, now this big disaster in the Gulf. So Danny, welcome to Ring the Radio. Welcome. I'm glad to be here, Larry. And uh, boy, we have quite a mess here, don't we? Well, it's the biggest ecological disaster in the history of the world. (laughs) Probably the only thing that would uh, compare to this is the Kuwaiti oil fires in the Middle East uh, uh, preceding the Gulf War. Interesting. Tell us about uh, the litigation that's already started and uh, and your plans to try to consolidate some of these losses. Tell us about that part of this whole matter. What has happened is, is that once the oil rig blew up. An oil rig was a semi-submersible rig. That means it's floated out to a location and then tethered to the bottom of the sea by these large anchors, and then drills pipe uh, goes down. It was in 5,000 feet of water, Hmm. and it drilled to a depth of about 18,000 plus feet. They have what's called a blowout preventer, which sits at the bottom of the ocean uh, uh, floor, and that is supposed to be kind of like a safety valve. So if anything goes wrong, it uh, operates and cuts down the oil and gas flow to the surface. Mm -hmm. Well, this was a 10-year-old BOP, blowout preventer, made by Cameron, uh, a big international company based out of Houston now, formerly out of Louisiana. The drill rig was owned by Transocean, a Switzerland company, and it rents for a half a million dollars per day for the rental of the rig, and it supplies a crew uh, to operate the rig uh, to whoever wants to rent the rig and drill a well. Mm-hmm. Uh, that crew and and the other necessary items is $1.5 million per day. So you spend in $2 million a day, Every time somebody wants to rent it and drill a well. BP, British Petroleum, uh, some of my clients are calling them now bad people. That's what the BP stands for. Uh, uh, Drill this well. But before you drill a well, you have to get permission from the MMS. That's the Mineral 
management service. Uh, just like you do anything, you get a permit. Uh, they say, okay, this, these are the, uh, the area you can drill in. This is the depth you can go in. You've got to make an application. They do or do not give you approval. Mm-hmm. Uh, Halliburton is called in usually to cement these wells in. Because when they drill these wells, they'll drill eight or nine of them in an area. And then they run a pipeline to them. But this was the first well they drilled in that section. So there was no pipeline, and that's why they didn't just connect it up and send the oil inland or to one of the refineries or to a ship. Mm -hmm. So uh, this was the first one that had all kinds of problems because of the depth. But the problems were uh, mainly engineering problems, man-made problems. And, And what happened was it was a giant argument. Uh, a few hours before the explosion. And a person on deck who was an eyewitness, if people saw the piece on 60 Minutes this past week, this past Sunday, it's a 22-minute piece. And I think everybody ought to view that because it's an incredible uh, explanation of what happened, and that, it's all accurate. That was a riveting uh, riveting piece by 60 Minutes, yes. listening, to, listening to that witness. Absolutely. In fact, in fact, uh, 60 Minutes called me up, and I put them in touch with that person uh, and his lawyers. And I also uh, was asked to help them, as well as to help the Energy Committee, uh, Congressman Waxman's committee, to give them experts. And uh, Professor B is the person you saw on yes. that 60-minute piece. He has worked for me uh, for about five years uh, on the Mr. Go case in New Orleans, which is the levee failure engineering yes. disaster. Mm-hmm. He was originally hired by the National Science Foundation to do the investigation, and he's been in Washington, D.C. all this week in the White House and before these congressional committees uh, telling them what uh, what happened and why it happened and uh, what can they do to prevent this from happening again. So it's a massive suit with a number of major, major uh, defendants, uh, uh, basically with an unlimited uh, uh, exposure to all of these companies. Well, it sounds it sounds like all the containment efforts seem to be failing. They, they can't seem to block block up this uh, spewing pipe there. Uh, what do you think about all that? I mean, well, the fact that they well, don't have any contingency plans to get that done, and they they seem to be going by the seat of their pants here. Well, that's precisely why the president was so angry the other day when. All of these people appeared before the congressional committees, and, and, you know, it's always, it's not me, it's the man behind the tree. So BP is pointing at Cameron, and Cameron is pointing at Transocean, and Transocean is pointing at Halliburton. But these are the facts. The <laughs> facts are that BOP had a leaking hydraulic valve. They didn't test it. They, when they tried to hit the emergency shutoff switch, Transocean didn't have maintenance people that put a new battery in, so when they tried to hit it, there was no signal that went down to the BOP to try to cap it. Mm-hmm. Uh, Schlumberger was hired by uh, Transocean and British Petroleum to come to the rig and to do pressure tests. Well, British Petroleum decided, look, we've got to move this rig. We don't have time to do these pressure tests. Uh, about three or four weeks prior to that, uh, some drillers on the Transocean rig 
drilled right through one of these big giant gaskets that would have prevented the the pressure from building and coming Mm -hmm. up to the top. They didn't report it, even though they knew they had these big chunks of this hard rubber like tires coming up, which shouldn't be in the bottom of the well. That should tip you off that there's something wrong. Yeah. And and so it was a comedy of errors. Well, we we have 11 deaths in, in this accident, but and that's tragic into itself. But there's also the vast environmental impact of all this and and the impact on the industries down there uh, and and the poor people who are trying to make a living. Uh, tell us about the impact as you see it on on the whole area you're dealing with in the, on, the, on the Gulf Coast. Well, there's three segments of the community that are adversely affected right now. The first is very obvious. It's the fishermen, the shrimpum, shrimpers, the oyster harvesters, the seafood houses, the wholesale houses, because there's an embargo on much of the seafood because of the oil spill. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can't harvest the oysters. You can't go out and shrimp because of this massive uh, floating uh, globule of oil all over and the disbursement with it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, of course, that's one-third of the that's a three to five billion dollar per year business. It provides over seventy percent, believe it or not, seventy hmm. percent of the consumed seafood in the United States come from the Louisiana waters. That's amazing. Yeah, it is amazing. Then you have the tourist industry. Now that is as massive as the seafood industry, because from the Florida Keys all the way to uh, the Mississippi coast and Grand Isle and Cat Island and Biloxi and Gulfport and Bay St. Louis. And you just keep going up to Mobile Bay and Gulf Shores, Alabama and Pensacola, Florida, Destin, Florida, Mm -hmm. and all the way through to the tip. People are canceling reservations by the thousands. Uh, Many of the condo associations that have been contacting us are losing 50% of all of their summer uh, reservations. And people are just canceling because saying, look, we might not even be able to go on the beach with all of this stuff coming on shore, and we're not going to spend $3,000 a week to stay at a condo where we might not be able to go to the beach. So we're going to change our plans and do something else on our vacation. Yeah, you can't blame them. Yep. And so the condo owners and the restaurants around those condos, like in Destin and Panama City and the like, they're having massive layoffs. Uh, you have all of these big outlet centers at most of these big resort areas, and and they're having problems. So it's it's permeating that. And then let's talk about the next third of the the triumvirate that I call it. Uh, all of the oil and gas workers. And remember, Louisiana and Texas basically float with petrochemical plants and natural resources uh, to be able to uh, uh, make all of the products that everybody uses, all of the plastics, all of the fertilizers, and so on and so forth. Sure. Uh, And so you have that industry that's devastated. Right now, they're not going to allow any more drilling. So you're going to have all of the people, all of the roughnecks and uh, uh, the people that work on these oil rigs uh, the helicopter services, they're not going to be sending people back and forth. You have all of the plants that are dependent on this natural gas to make every product 
known to man because you have a virtual, uh, from Baton Rouge to the mouth of the river and on the Texas coast, virtually every major petrochemical company in the world has major plants here. No question. Then you have the Port of New Orleans. Uh, A third of all of the product in the entire United States comes up through the Mississippi River. So when those ships are going out to sea or coming in, you can't come from, let's say, Europe, or uh, let's just use a commodity like bananas that come from Costa Rica and Honduras. Through the Panama Canal up to the Gulf. Through the Gulf, or or, or they can come straight through the Caribbean. Mm -hmm. When that ship passes through these oil slicks and all of this oil that's sitting suspended underneath, you can't come in the Mississippi River, so you got to stop them. They got to be decontaminated before they can proceed. And the same thing when they're going out. And all of the grain, probably seventy percent of all of the grain, is shipped from the Midwest through the Mississippi River by barge, and then put on ocean-going liners to, throughout the world. And those ships, when they leave, they're not going to allow them to go to England or uh, to uh, Russia or any place that they're delivering grain to with all this oil residue all over the sides of the ship. So they've got to be decontaminated again. This is very costly. Right. Uh, and, and, and the tax revenue uh, to the states uh, and the federal government, most people don't realize the federal government uh, takes... Uh, probably 90% of all of the oil revenue money on taxes goes into our treasury. So it is, uh, and, and, and our state is going to be devastated because we depend on oil and gas uh, for a lot of our tax revenue, and uh, that will sure. disappear. Sounds like in addition to the, the local impacts down on the Gulf, you know, all of America is going to be impacted through higher prices on many, many products of the type you just described, whether it's seafood or, or imports. Uh, that that's going to be the the next the next wave the the pricing uh, you know impact or the, the increase on those prices that we're going to see. Let me give you an example. Larry shrimp in Louisiana normally sells between a dollar ninety eight a pound and two fifty a pound. Mm-hmm. The little ones are dollar ninety eight and the big ones are two fifty. The price today for the little ones are three fifty and the price for the big ones are four fifty hmm. if you can get them. Yeah. And so that is a big jump. Oysters, as you know, 90% of all of the oysters in the United States come from the Louisiana coast. Uh, you know, usually if I eat oysters in New York and get a, that come from Louisiana, it's usually about a dollar an oyster. Well, right now, uh, oysters are going to be selling for 3 and $4 a piece. Yeah, no question. Uh, so it, it's just massive and it permeates the whole economy. I have seafood. You often hear about the Maryland Chesapeake Bay crabs and crab cakes in Virginia and Maryland. Mm-hmm. Well, guess what? Ninety percent of all of those crabs come from Louisiana, <laughs> and these seafood houses now can't get them. There's no other place they can get them uh, because the Chesapeake Bay just can't produce the necessary. Doesn't have the ecosystem to produce them in the quantities that Louisiana does. Well, Danny, after all of the criticism that came out of Katrina, where the government seemed to be uh, one step behind, at least one step behind, what role do you feel that the government and maybe particularly the president should be playing 
in this disaster? Well, Larry, as you know, uh, my son works for the President of the United States as one of the lead advanced people in the White House. Uh, he was sent here at 3 o'clock in the morning, uh, one morning, for the President to make an extraordinary visit here uh, and fly here right after the press correspondence dinner in Washington, D.C. And he couldn't even get to the coast because they had bad, bad winds. They couldn't use the helicopters. They had to drive once they landed in New Orleans. And and they went to see firsthand what was happening. The president was so angry because he had recommended future drilling off the coast, not only of Louisiana and Texas, mm-hmm. but everywhere else because everybody kept saying when he found out through Secretary Salazar of the absolute corruption within the MMS, that's the Mineral Management Services, mm-hmm. uh that he decided to break it up. He held a press conference shortly thereafter, after they were pointing the finger at each other, and he says, look, you guys are going to pay, and you better step to the plate now because you're going to pay. But BP is not telling the truth. If you saw last night on on all the major news programs, one of my experts, uh, Professor Weirly, Steve Weirly from Purdue, calculated that instead of having 1,000 barrels of oil coming out of the pipe, uh, BP came up when they were called to task and said, well, no, it's not really 1,000, it's 5,000. And that's what they've been sitting on ever since. He mm-hmm. calculated that it's seventy to 115,000 barrels of oil per day. Well, it's, it's daunting, that's for sure. It's, it's... Well, and let me give you the scope of it. Everybody went crazy about the Exxon Valdez mm-hmm. every sure. three days, and we were already in the 30th day. Every three days, we have in the equivalent of the Exxon Valdez coming out of that pipe. Well, that's that's an unbelievable statement. And uh, as we move down the road, again, Danny, and we're going to take a quick break right now, but uh, again, the, the failure to be able to cap this thing down there is uh, is almost amazing. Considering you know the the potential for risk, and and no one was ready in the event of this kind of a breach. Let's take a break, and we'll be right back with Danny Becknell. This is Ringler Radio from Ringler Associates. Quite simply, the undisputed leader in structured settlements for thirty five years. Ringler Radio is celebrating its six year right here on the Legal Talk Network, produced by broadcast professionals. Ringler Associates, the only broker you need. Listen to all the Ringler Radio shows. Just go to ringlerassociates.com or legaltalknetwork.com and click on Ringler Radio and choose a topic. Since 1975, Ringler Associates has provided the finest structured settlement services to all parties involved in the settling of physical injury claims. Experience counts. Over 23 billion in structures benefiting 166,000 injured individuals and their families. And one of the few companies that truly enjoys the trust of all parties in the settlement process. Did you know you can download Ringler Radio to your iPod? Just go to iTunes and subscribe to the Legal Talk Network. It's free. We invite you to listen to other shows on the Legal Talk Network. It's free at www.legaltalknetwork.com. Did you know Ringler Radio is one of the top three rated shows in iTunes? 
thanks to all of our listeners who download all the Ringler Radio shows. Welcome back to Ringler Radio. Again, glad you could join us. Our special guest today is Danny Becknell, one of the leading attorneys handling this massive Gulf spill in the Gulf of Mexico. What a catastrophe. Danny, can the defendants here, you talked about they're all pointing fingers. Can they rely on this pass-the-buck defense uh, as they did during the congressional testimony? Or some way is that going to all get ferreted out? Is that going to get fixed? I think uh, based upon the facts that we have, as soon as the MDL, that's the multi-district litigation uh, panel, gives us one judge. Remember, right now, people are doing things in Texas in federal court, Louisiana, Florida, Alabama, and so on and so forth. So just over the last week, we had eight different judges holding hearings, issuing orders, uh, and doing things. That that makes no sense. Mm-hmm. This has to be consolidated, and that's what I asked the multi-district litigation panel to do, is to expedite the hearing and give us a judge or a multiple group of judges to handle this case. Maybe one judge to handle all of the death and injury cases. Mm-hmm. Maybe one judge to handle, and you got to remember, if people own stock in these companies, uh, BP alone has lost $40 billion dollars. So a lot of heavy-duty investors are going to be pointing the finger at BP and its board for not following safety standards mm-hmm. and then saying, hey, you made us lose $40 billion. We want our money back from you, Mr. BP, board of directors, et cetera. <laughs> and so those suits could be in one lump. And then all of the environmental suits, uh, including the fishermen, oystermen, mm-hmm. seafood houses, uh, but just the environmental impact it's going to have on the coastlines and, and the estuaries of where all of these fish and shrimp and other things are produced, uh, it, it could be another one. This is so massive yeah. uh, that uh, nobody has a game plan yet, so you got to come up with something innovative. When do you think those decisions about jurisdiction are going to be uh, going to be made? Well, I ask them in my latest pleading, uh, right when this happened, I asked for the MDL panel, and I asked it to be put on an expedited basis. They denied my request, saying it was a little too early. Well, I don't think they realized how big it would be. Mm-hmm. So two days ago, I asked them again to reconsider, because they have a hearing of the panel uh, next Thursday in Chicago. And uh, I asked them, I don't know what action they'll take, if any. But if not, then it'll be not until July 27th in Idaho where they will meet again. So at best, if they hold to their present position, then it'll be probably eight or ten weeks before we know that we have a judge. And there's just too much that needs to be done immediately. You have to appoint a plaintiff's committee. You have to start doing things. But it's my intention, based on all the facts and all of the witness statements and all the experts that we have, and I have 27 experts I've hired, mm-hmm. uh, that uh, I'm going to move for summary judgment. Hmm. And then the issue would be damages and damages alone. Well, what should what should people who have been damaged in this in this event, uh, the folks on the coast and all the business owners you mentioned, what, are, what should they be doing right now? Who should they be talking to? They're, uh, number one, Almost every lawyer I know uh, uh, is handling
in these cases, and every one of them has agreed that BP is saying they're willing to pay something to these people on a per-month basis. No lawyer is charging a fee on any of that. So don't hesitate to go to a lawyer uh, uh, to help you through this process because it's, you have to prove through income tax returns what you lose in. You have to prove uh, how many days you would have rented your condo from previous history. Right. You just need a lot of detailed work. Mm-hmm. You could technically do it on your own uh, through the Internet, but you have to go to one of the claims offices to make a claim. And then you don't know what they'll give you, uh, but whereas if the lawyers are handling it for you, and as I said, nobody's even thinking about charging a fee at this time until this thing gets close to resolution. And uh, we're asking the court uh, to set a fee to make the defendants pay it so that the people who have these cases will be made whole and they won't suffer any loss whatsoever because of attorney's fees. Well, that sounds like a very reasonable way to do it. Now, what what are you doing with the White House? Aren't you speaking to them, trying to get them involved uh, on a more expedited basis in this whole matter? I uh, sent a letter uh, yesterday to the White House, to all of the defense lawyers, and to all of the plaintiff lawyers that basically said the same thing I'm about to talk about. Number one, that BP and the other defendants ought to immediately put up a $1 billion fund, no strings attached, that the president and the Congress and the attorney generals and the, uh, from the various states ought to immediately have special masters appointed, not people I recommend, not people the defendants recommend, but people like former judges or people who have done this for a living over the years kind of like Ken Feinberg or Pat Juno, uh, where they come in and they're independent and they evaluate these claims and pay them right there. Mm -hmm. So that's the second step. The third step would be uh, everybody in the country, uh, you know, you got to blame somebody, and the best way to blame them is to put them in jail. And so, (laughs) you know, you might have criminal charges against a lot of people for negligent homicide, uh, for negligent injuring, off a manslaughter because of the actions that have been taken. So I ask that that be suspended at this time, pending resolution. The other thing I ask is that the president appoint an independent commission to investigate. President Bush did it uh, after the 9-11 uh, disaster. Uh, it was also done after the Challenger blew up in space. And so you get the world's leading scientists, and mm-hmm. they come in and investigate the cause, et cetera. And I also uh, then ask that these death cases, there's 11 death cases, there's no excuse. Those cases don't get better with time. All it does is makes the widow and children of these people or their parents, uh, depending on who was killed, have to agonize over this. I said that they ought to be settled within 90 days through the use of a mediator, a special master, immediately, and that the family ought to not have to pay out of their pockets the lawyers, but that BP and the other defendants ought to pay the lawyer fees directly. Mm -hmm. So to wipe that off and get those families back to trying to reorganize their lives after the tragic loss of their family members. 
So you're asking for a lot of specific uh, things to be done by the White House and by, by government. And, and what, what response are you expecting out of that, that letter? Well, I got a call this morning from the congressional office. They were worried sick about, well, is the federal government going to be named a defendant in this case? Well, they already have. Uh, the MMS, because of their dereliction duty that could have prevented this, are as much culpable as are BP and Halliburton and, and Transocean and, and, and Cameron. Uh, so everybody's got their finger in the pot, mm. in, and, and, and they're all going to get burnt if this thing goes to court. In fact, a lot of the environmental groups like the Sierra Club and, and, and those kinds of people have filed suit against MMS as an entity of the federal government. Now, let me just give you some of the violations of law that have occurred. The Clean Water Act. You can't put dispersant in the water and let it wash up on my beaches and on my rivers and in the sure. marshes. That's a violation, clear violation. The Clean Air Act. BP is rounding up this oil with booms and lighting it on fire in the ocean. That's a violation of the Clean Air Act. The Endangered Species Act. Many of the turtles that they find in hundreds of them dead all over the beaches because they swim underwater, but when they come up, they gulp for air, and they swallow in this oil, and it kills them. Uh, uh, the Migratory Bird Act, uh, you have, you know, between South America and the United States, it's just like ducks fly to Canada, sure. uh, to Southeast uh, the United States, and so on and so forth. That's a violation. Exactly. And then you have uh, the Endangered Mammal Act, like whales and porpoises and stuff. They don't know the difference. Uh, and, I mean, for example, some of the things we're finding, uh, brown pelicans have, were on the endangered species list. They nested on all of these uh, marshes right now. And so not only are we going to kill the parents, we're going to kill all of the babies because they dive, they don't know that there's oil in sure. the water or not in the water. Just like you see the seagulls, they just dive yeah. in, and when they get come up, their feathers are all covered in oil. Uh, they can't float, and so they either die of hypothermia or they drown. You know, we've yeah. all see, we've all seen those tragic pictures of the wildlife and, and all of the beaches and the and the and the real catastrophe that occurs when these spills occur. And this is on such a massive global scale. What, to sum up here as we end this show, what is it you're, you foresee coming out of all this that you're talking about? What, what do you sense? Do you sense that the, that the White House is going to be, get involved? Do you sense that these special masters are going to be appointed? Consolidation and specialization of some of these, of the litigation. Is it going to be an expedited process, or do you think this is going to, like a lot of litigation, go on forever? Well, we have two examples. We have the Exxon Valdez. Mm -hmm. As many people know, that took 19 years. One-third of all of the lawyers, one-third of all of the people who were claimants died before they got their check. Now, we have that scenario if the oil industry wants to, to go that way. They can certainly outspend all of the plaintiff lawyers put together. Or we can do something innovative with the courts, like happening in Chinese drywall, where foreign governments send in bad product and, 
and we've already had eight trials within the first year. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we have very great judges that know what to do. But I'm even going a step above that to, to get to direct negotiations immediately and not even go through the charade of making like we're going to defend and the plaintiff lawyers are going to prosecute. I think what needs to be done is an innovative way uh, to resolve this. And it's going to take everybody, Republicans, Democrats, it's going to take all of the government people, it's going to take judges, it's going to take special masters, it's going to take financiers like yourself uh, who, who do things for people uh, to come up with innovative ways to deal with this issue. And uh, it's so massive, and, and we're going to have international relations. I've already been contacted uh, by people in Europe and people in the Caribbean uh, who are saying, look, the United States didn't sign uh, the treaty that allows events like this to go uh, and be tried to the World Court or the International Court of Justice. But those other companies, uh, like BP from Britain and and uh, Transocean from Switzerland, uh, they're subject to uh, being sued in the world court by, let's say, Cuba or Costa Rica or Nicaragua, uh, all of these people that border the Gulf of Mexico. So you're going to have an international crisis when you start destroying their economies pretty soon. Uh, so everybody better come together really quick. And, and, and people like you have to get together with the people that are going to be paying these things out on the long term mm-hmm. uh, to, to make this work. So it, it involves all of us. Well, no question about that. And uh, it certainly sounds like a lot of people are going to be kept quite busy for quite a long time. And I guess uh, to come to the conclusion and, and, and the way that this should be set, you know, resolved the way you've seen it, it's really going to require these defendants to kind of come together on fault and, and really get their arms around, instead of the finger pointing, get their arms around some kind of a concerted effort to, to satisfy some of these problems that are sitting out there for all these poor people who are just been devastated. Well, listen, Danny, I, I, this is the end. I want to thank you very much for this fantastic uh, ex, exposition on this problem and on this, on this oil spill. If someone wanted to get in touch with you, Danny, how would they do that? Uh, they can call me uh, at 985-536-1186 or on my uh, website, uh, BecknellLaw.com, dbecknell at BecknellLaw.com. Uh, but I'm working with a consortium of lawyers. Just uh, we formed a consortium of lawyers who have expertise in this type of practice. And uh, hopefully, if not me, they will contact one of us, uh, whether they have lost a lot of money in securities based upon what happened with BP stock and Transocean stock, et cetera, on the security side or the environmental side, they own property, or if they've, uh, they, they have a claim for lost income from condos and beach property devaluation, et cetera. Exactly. Well... Danny, it's been a pleasure having you on the show. Before I end, I do want to make one statement that we did reach out to uh, Kirkland & Ellis, the law firm that represents British Petroleum. and uh, They could not have been reached for comment yet, and uh, hopefully we'll have them on to uh, 
to give us a different perspective at some point in the future. If anyone wants to listen to any of our shows, remember, ringlerassociates.com or thelegaltalknetwork.com. Uh, you can download it onto your iPod and, and listen to Danny Becknell as you jog in the park. That would be kind of cool. So, Danny, thank you for joining us today. And for all of our listeners, thanks for listening. Have a great day. The views expressed by the participants of this program are their own and do not represent the views of, nor are they endorsed by, Legal Talk Network, its officers, directors, employees, agents, representatives, shareholders, and subsidiaries. None of the content should be considered legal advice. As always, consult a lawyer. Thanks for listening to Ringler Radio. In its sixth year on Legal Talk Network, with over a half a million listeners, Ringler Associates, where experience counts. Since 1975, Ringler Associates has provided the finest structured settlement services to all parties involved in physical injury claims. Ringler Radio is made possible in part by the life markets that issue structured settlement annuities, including Allstate, American General, Liberty Life, MetLife, New York Life, John Hancock, and Prudential.